This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Good evening, Detroit. I want to start tonight by saying to the citizens of this great city, I'm sorry. It's January 2008, and Mayor Kwame Kilpatrick is addressing the people of Detroit. To all of you who have believed in what we've been doing here since 2002, to all of you who have believed in me and my leadership, I truly apologize to each and every one of you individually and to the whole city. Just days earlier, the Detroit Free Press had published private text messages between the mayor and his chief of staff, Christine Beattie. Text messages revealing that they had had an affair that stretched on for years. September 12, 2002, Christine Beattie writes, Last night when I was laying on your shoulder in the car and you held my face and sang whatever song it was, that felt so good. September 24th, Beattie writes, So we are officially busted. Ha ha. The mayor. Ha ha. Damn that. Never busted. I want to make a public apology to my entire family. For the first time in my life, I had to have a conversation with my 12-year-old twin sons about very grown-up things. Finally, and most importantly, I want to make a public apology to my wife, Carlita, who I fell in love with when I was 19 years old. This dynamic, strong, caring woman has been forced to go through this very difficult experience because of me. I truly apologize to you. Kwame is sitting in a church, and as he speaks, the camera begins to pull back, revealing his wife Carlita sitting beside him, holding his hand. It is very difficult for me to talk to you at this moment, but I want to let you know what is on my heart tonight. Yes, I am angry, I am hurt, and I am disappointed. But there is no question that I love my husband. Most couples who work through problems in their marriage are able to do so privately. Unfortunately, that option is not available to us. As his wife, I know how committed my husband is to the city of Detroit. I am asking the citizens of this city to be committed to him. Thank you. But Kwame has one more thing to say. Over the past few days, there has also been a lot of speculation about me resigning from office. Let me be clear tonight. I would never quit on you. Ever. God bless you, Detroit. I love you, and I'll see you at work tomorrow. One, two, three, now! Last episode, the mayor and his chief of staff lied on the witness stand about their secret affair. Today on the show, 
Kwame and Christine tell their story. I'm John White. Welcome to Crime Town. If I fire Gary Brown today, this is going to create a major issue for you. No. 14,000 text messages between Kilpatrick and Beattie. They reveal a relationship between the mayor and his chief of staff that was far more than professional. Which totally contradicted what they had said in court. <laughs> so how did that lead us to jail? Well, <laughs> yeah. How did an affair lead to jail? Um... I've always been fascinated with Christine B. She had an electric personality that kind of drew people to her. In 1985, during their sophomore year of high school, a boy named Kwame met a girl named Christine. She always had a lot of friends. Chris was a, a majorette. Uh, so there was a whole team of people, you know, they twirled a baton and they'd be at all the games. And I played football. So I would always notice her. And, uh, you know, I, I liked her right offhand. I knew everybody by name, walked down the hall, hey, Jim, hey, Bob, hey, John, hey, Saray, you know, just friendly like that. At the time, Christine had a boyfriend named Lou Beatty. Lou was a 10th grader when we were 11th graders. Lou came back to tell me one day we were together, they were in the locker room. Lou was in there bragging about his women and something about, all oh, my women are fine or something, and Kwame supposedly chimed in and said, not Christine. And uh, he was talking about how fine his woman was and how beautiful she is. And she was this and that and that. And so I leaned over and I said, man, your woman ain't that fine, man. She just all right. (laughs) Well, why did you say that? I think I said it, you know, immature 15-year-old. I think I said it because I liked her and he was bragging about her. And so it was uh, one of those things. uh, It it was not true. I just uh, wanted to shoot it down. I didn't feel like hearing all that in there. And so the next day in class, she was looking at me real mean. And I said, hey, don't ask what's wrong with you. You was dogging me and my boyfriend and all that. She went off, slap off. Just, <laughs> she went off. I said, hey, you know what? I apologize. Christine forgave Kwame and they became friends. I did like her a lot. I used to go by her house. We, we went to the movies. Um, I mean, she was my favorite. A person to just be around. We became really close friends. The impediment at the end of the day in high school was that Christine, which is, uh, I, I do want to say this, I know she's going to be embarrassed about this, but Christine was the, the no sex uh, till marriage girl in high school. That was her. Lou and I had broken up, so we were not together. And then senior year, Kwame and I kind of liked each other, but, you know, we were always hesitant and... Why? I don't know, you know, just afraid, afraid teenagers. You know, when you're a teenager, you don't want to tell anybody really how you feel. And, you know, am I cute enough? Too many pimples on my guy, you might see, you know, just pure insecurity. I liked her incredibly. I was always so nervous around Chris. I I never, I didn't like anybody else like I liked her. And, and I had never felt that before. And so I knew it was going to be nothing more than just kind of a real innocent relationship where you kind of hold hands and you might sneak a kiss or something like that. He was not the guy, let me say this, that was 
after me for sex. He was not that guy. And I think for me, um, there was not a man or, or men who I trusted like that. I did not have that as a young child. And I think probably he was the first person on a friendship level that was male in that way that I kind of trusted like that, you know, and he never violated that trust. We started to hang out that summer after graduation. And um, she was kind of like my girl for that summer. And, uh, you know, I was cool with the no sex thing. I was cool with it because I liked her. And we hung out all summer, but I got nervous because I was leaving early going to play football at Florida a and and uh, I got all of this wise counsel from uncles and cousins and older guys that says you don't want to take a girlfriend uh, when you go to college. And so I, I broke up. I had a going away party and she came over, we danced and then we took, went for a walk at the end of that party uh, under a, a street light on, on the Sal Boulevard. I told her that it's probably best that, you know, you, we break up. He, um, <laughs> he broke up with me and said, I think it's best that, you know, you're going to Howard, I'm here. Um, but yeah, and so I was done. I was like, oh, okay, you know, I was like, yep, yeah, not a problem. And I was you're not, of course I wasn't. <laughs> Again, teenage ego, I'm not gonna say, please, no, don't go. I was like, okay. No, I was not okay at all. She cried. I felt horrible. And, um, you know, I gave her a hug, but it was a sad moment. I, I really didn't want to do it. I just thought that's what you're supposed to do. Did you still have feelings for her, though? I did. That never left. It never left. To be absolutely honest, it never left. It never went away. Um, by the time I was in, at the end of college, I was dating Carlita, and it was pretty serious. He got put out, I mean, <laughs> for trying to talk to me, so. This is Carlita um, Kilpatrick talking to the makers of a documentary about Kwame. She met her future husband at Florida A&M in the class of a notoriously tough professor known as Attorney Williams. You know, Kwame turned around and tried to say something to me, and Attorney Williams called him out in class and made him stand up, and Attorney Williams got aggravated with him and, and sent him, you know, to the library. Afterwards, we kind of chuckled about it. So we ended up having our first date at the library, which I want to say might have been his first time in the library on campus. I don't even know if I should say that out loud, but <laughs> um, we did. We, had, we, we went to the library and uh, studied some uh, and laughed a lot. Actually, I met Carlita. Kwame was finished college, and she moved up here after she finished college with him. Kwame's cousin, Tunisia Turner, got to know Carlita after she and Kwame moved back to Detroit and got married. And then I remember Kwame saying, come get Carlita, be her friend, like hang out with her. Like she needs some friends in Detroit, right? And I would say, okay. And so um, every time I had the opportunity, I would, you know, speak, try to spend time and just endear her. And she was really a nice person, but very, very different from Christine. She was a little bit more closed off. She was Kwame's Ride or die, no doubt. But she wasn't as endeared to the family. Meanwhile, Christine had reunited with her high school boyfriend. My sophomore year, I ended up getting back with, together with Lou, um, his college, and we stayed together, you know, from then on to get, you know, married and have kids. But, you know, Kwame and I, of course, I me, mean, our story didn't stop after that. 
because we always had that friendship, you know, and, you know, we liked each other in high school. You know, that was always there, but it was like, oh, okay, well, you're married, I'm married, we have kids, we're just great friends, you my, you know, that's my boy, I'm his girl. I mean, we're always gonna be solid friends, which is how we even started working together. And when Kwame decided to enter politics, he picked Christine to be his campaign manager. You hire her to be uh, to help run your campaign, right, for mayor. Um, Declare myself as a candidate for the mayor. Well, we all know, you know, what happened afterwards. You you get elected, and she's you know she's helped you. It's time for all of us to rise up and begin our future right here. Right now. Yes. And I, I want to quickly move to the moment. Um, yes. You know, it's December 2001. You've won election you know, as mayor. We, as a Kilpatrick campaign and as a Detroit community, declare victory. Yeah. And uh, it's around Christmas. Do you know what I'm talking yep. about? I do. And can you I just do. take me through that that moment? Well, um, when we got to that place, we had done something impossible. Um, everybody was telling me I was too young. And then all the people that wanted to support me was telling me that she could not do the job. So standing by her and her standing by me throughout that campaign, it, it was just amazing. It came together in this dynamic moment where we were actually cleaning up uh, the campaign headquarters. And uh, we were looking at the river, overlooking everything. It kind of hit us both at the same time that we won this race. This is crazy. How we do this? this it was So we were laughing, we were crying, and I hugged her and um, I kissed her. And uh, it was like, whoa, this, what, what was that? You know, because it caught us so off guard. When I when I tell you it was one of those moments, like in movies, where the moon is perfect over the Detroit River, the, the, the snow was dancing across the, you know, <laughs> it was one of those, like, moments where, you know, I mean, you needed a, a T.S. Eliot, a, a much better writer uh, that I could do it to, to really describe what kind of moment that was. It was powerful. It was a very powerful moment. I just remember kissing. It was kind of like, oh, shoot, what just happened? Wow, is this still feelings there? Okay, what does this really mean? Christine and Kwame both tried to put the kiss behind them. But when Kwame took office and Christine became his chief of staff, their close working relationship made that difficult. When the day was done, maybe at 8.30, we're sitting in the office talking for three hours. Now, mind you, I just spent the whole day with you working. Why do I need to talk to you for three hours <laughs> after we're done working? But that was the relationship. You naturally with somebody every day. You're naturally with somebody, not just uh, during the day, but uh, at night. Sometimes we had to work literally. We're working until midnight, one, two. Three in the morning, and you have the Bonnie and Clyde type atmosphere. Um, somebody who's willing to stay up all night and work with you, and all that, and order in, you know, get some takeout, and you start to develop in those moments with the tension and 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 then the excitement. And so we we kissed again, and, and eventually we started to have an affair over the next uh, few months. 
I don't want to get into the full details of my sex life, but my husband was my first and my only up until Kwame. So the level of guilt that I have fully violated, you know, my husband and my marriage, that that was not a light thing to, to that weighed on me. The whole thing was, oh my God, we can never do this again. What the heck are we doing? You know, yeah, that so it didn't start like, hey, you know, let's get it on. No, that wasn't it. You know, it was the, oh, we can't do this. This is, we are tripping. You know, there was, there was always the guilt and this, this is wrong thing. Oh, but it does feel that whole, it feels so right, but it's so wrong. The, the comfort was that he was, there for me and I was there for him and I think the level of vulnerability that he could show with me without it changing my perception of him or who he was I think was comforting for him you start to develop two lives one at home which you're scarcely at and one at the office the office uh, life was 60 hours a week minimum I was two different guys. Carlita noticed I was two different guys. She didn't like the guy that was there. And she used to say that all the time. I, I don't like him. I just don't bring him in here. Uh, it it kind of became what who I was the most. Were you friends with her before that? No, fr never friends. I mean, we were friendly, you know, because I was that. But I don't think she probably cared much for me. When you're a woman, you just, I mean, you look at people that are around and I don't think, I think my level of influence was uncomfortable for her as it should have been. But I never was disrespectful, never that. But the the lie that I had to stand in this woman's face in her house and know that this was going, that I never could reconcile that for me. That, that literally, ugh. I mean, that was one of those, how do you look yourself in the mirror and do that? You know what I mean? That's it was like, what kind of woman are you? Like I I had those conversations in my head with myself. The overwhelming abundant part of that relationship was friendship. It was it was it was intimacy. A lot of times it was just, you know can I lay my head on your shoulder? The, the relationship was so different because we gave each other each other's heart. And that's a different type of relationship because I've had both, unfortunately. I've, I'm, I was not, uh, uh, you know, a faithful uh, husband. I was a horrible husband in that area. What, and what do you mean? I mean, I think I have an idea, but what do you mean? I had other affairs. This was not the only affair that I had. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Sometimes he would go stop in the different venues or clubs, whatever the case may be, because somebody invited him. 
This is Dedan Milton, Kwame's close friend and aide. Dedan was constantly by the mayor's side. There was plenty of times when, especially in Detroit, females would walk up to him, hey, want to take a picture rubbing all on his chest? I mean, there was females I know he were involved with that wasn't his wife. You know, let me give an example. We in D.C., we uh, leaving a location, a bar, whatever, club, and they, they riding back with us. He went up to his room, you know, while she stayed in the car, and then later, you know, told her, you know, about five minutes later, you go up instead of both of y'all walking in at the same damn time. Then, one day, one of Kwame's drivers told the Dan about an especially surprising rendezvous. He was riding with the mayor. He was driving the mayor, and the mayor said, I had to um, drain my pipes or something. And he walks in, the mayor goes in the house. I mean, five minutes later, Christine comes in the house, you know, pulls up and goes in, and they in there for however long they in there. And that was the first time you became aware that they were involved with each other. And I mean, I mean, drain the pipe is kind of a vivid metaphor. Yeah. <laughs> you think of that? I mean, I was taken aback by it because, you know, I knew they were close in relationship, but, you know, like I said, it was nothing that I knew of until, until that moment. Kwame and Christine were getting sloppy. More and more people around them suspected they were having an affair. And one of their biggest mistakes? All those text messages they were sending on their city-issued pagers. Were there any moments where you almost get caught? So I remember, um, I think Kwame had texted some message like, something, something, I love you. It was, you know, it was something like that. And Lou read my pager and he was like, what? And I remember thinking, oh my God, like this is a problem. Like, okay. How did you this, spin it? I mean, I was like, you know, this is just like my boy. We was, you know, we were talking about something and he was, you know, I I I did the, you know, as much spin as I could. But yeah, where my failure was is that I let Kwame in that space. I became so in love with him and the idea of him. And there was really no coming back after, you know, for my husband. You know, we're at counseling. Well, I'm not being honest. I'm being very disingenuous because I'm not revealing, oh, I'm having an affair. You know, and unfortunately, my husband and I did get a divorce. You got the warning. Do you know what I'm saying? You got the warning to stop. You got the warning to quit. And then so when it blows up in your face to that magnitude, you know, you can only blame yourself because you got the you should have stopped. You 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 should have should have stopped. I'm sorry, but it seems like such a huge risk. You know what I mean? Like, it's not just your married guy and having affairs, but you're the mayor of a, you know, major U.S. city, and all eyes are on you. So you're talking about a guy who, at 25 years old, took the risk of running for the state house, and the guy um, who runs for mayor of a major city at 30 years old. Taking risk was normal. It wasn't risk, John. It was just... Life. I mean, weren't you ever worried about what you'd lose if you were ever found out? No. 
Why not? Because I didn't think that far down the line. You know, did I ever see myself sitting in a prison because I lied under oath about an affair? No. I, I, I thought that, uh, like most men, when they're in that situation, I can handle it. Um, and it, and how wrong I was. Well, the, when did it end? It. Well, I, I think the biggest break in it was in 2005 right before the election um it came to a a a time when i sat down and had a conversation with carlita and i told her i was exhausted and we had a a heart to heart we decided that it was time to really try to figure out how to reignite our marriage and so i had a very tough conversation with christine in 2005 um went to her home and uh, we had a conversation in the house and and there was a lot of crying and tears, but the thing was that I told her that we just couldn't do it anymore. It was sad for both of us, but she also knew that it was right. So it was a balance between being devastating, but also being the right thing to do. Even though their affair was over, Kwame and Christine kept working together. Memos and allegations of misconduct in the Manugian mansion. The accusations fly. Was there a cover-up? And, where does the and when Deputy Police Chief Gary Brown filed his whistleblower suit against the city, Christine and Kwame had to make a choice. And this is a moment I always regret. I remember when we had a, a pre-meeting with um, our city attorneys, and I remember them asking us, is there anything that you guys want to tell us up front? But of course, I know that there was no way that, I, you know, we wanted to divulge the fact that we had had some sort of personal affair. Because, of course, we already felt terrible about our families. And, you know, so it was like, yeah, I don't think we'll be telling. No, we're good. We don't need you to tell anything. But the dumb rationale in our own mind was it has nothing to do with the case. So how could it ever come? So, no, we don't have anything to tell you. They would go on to deny their affair under oath. During the time period, 2001 and 2003, you and Eric Kilpatrick either romantically or in an, in, intimately involved with each other? No. Um, Mayor Kilpatrick, during 2002 or 2003, were you romantically involved with Christine Lee? No. Yeah, she, Christine. But then, one day in January of 2008, Christine got some alarming news. I remember our press secretary coming down the hall. He said, hey, Chris, real quick, I just wanted to tell you, he said, I got a call from ML Elric, and um, he said to tell you that he wants to talk to you and Kwame. You know exactly what it's about, and he'll only talk to you two. And um, they're running this story on Thursday. And my heart dropped. I walked into the mayor's office, and I said, it's over. In 2007, Gary Brown's lawyer had subpoenaed thousands of text messages between Kwame and Christine. He used those text messages to convince the city of Detroit to settle the lawsuit. The texts were supposed to remain secret. Now, they are about to hit the front page. I mean, we just went into this dumbfounded look of, oh my God, like, we can't, there's no figuring out of this one. 
we had to call up all of our office staff together, brought them into the mayor's conference room. And the mayor said, you know, to everybody, there's gonna be something coming out in the paper on Thursday um, that's gonna be life-changing for this administration. And I left out of the office that day and I never walked back into the mayor's office after that day. Well, Carolyn and Robbie, we've gone through the 600 pages released this afternoon, but there are really some difficult things to read. This is a love affair played out on a pager, from graphic sex to talk of love and marriage, all exposed for people to read. The texts show an affair that started in 2002 and played out over a year. In spring of 2004, Christine questions perhaps why she's not with the mayor. Christine, what do you get from CEK, Carlito Kilpatrick, that you don't get from me? Mayor Kilpatrick, the tremendous bond of parenthood. Christine, is that it? Mayor Kilpatrick, that's it. I was thinking real hard. It's all the family thing, structure and comfort. Now this is all. Um, there were definitely times where um, I didn't know what to do, didn't know what to Again, do. Again, Carlita Kilpatrick. Underneath of that was a lot of hurt and a lot of anger and a lot of um, embarrassment and shame and, I mean, just all kinds of things uh, that any other woman would have felt going through what I have gone through. But um, even through all of it, there was always this belief knowing that God would pull me through this some kind of way, somehow, and that I had to be a good mother. I had to wake up and be a mom. And that's what kind of carried me through. After news of the affair broke, Kwame and Carlita made the televised statement you heard at the top of the show. I want to make a public apology to my wife, Carlita, who I fell in love with when I was 19 years old. We decided but to build it didn't seem to make a difference. Are you more sympathetic to Kwame and Carlita Kilpatrick after their televised statement, or did you come away believing it was a cynical attempt at generating sympathy? You know, it's interesting, the criticism... Let's face it, this is a bad marriage between the city of Detroit and Kwame Kilpatrick. We need you to resign immediately. On Tuesday, the city council passed a measure aimed at getting Kilpatrick to step down, and they're asking Michigan Governor Jennifer Granholm for her help. Some of Detroit's citizens say they want Mayor Kwame Kilpatrick out. The scandal became a national punchline. But would a guilty man say this under oath? Mr. Brown uh, was unappointed. He was not fired. Ah, he was not fired! <laughs> you know who might say something like that? Only a man stupid enough to send 14,000 incriminating text messages in four months to his mistress on a state-owned cell phone. <laughs> messages like, I'm sorry we're going through this mess because of a decision that we made to fire Gary Brown. <laughs> The pressure mounted. Detroit, we are truly in a period of transformation. In early March, at his State of the City address, Kwame hit back. I cannot leave this auditorium with my wife and my son sitting there without addressing this issue. In the past 30 days, I've been called a nigger 
more than any time in my entire life. And I don't care if they cut the TV off. <laughs> this unethical, illegal, lynch mob mentality has to stop. Good morning. Thank you for coming. I made the decision that we would complete our perjury investigation as it relates to Mayor Kilpatrick and his former chief of staff, Christine Beatty, and make that announcement today. Wayne County our Prosecutor Kim Worthy had opened a criminal investigation into Kwame and Christine. And on March 24, 2008, she held a press conference. Witnesses must give truthful testimony. And we have to demand that they do. That is why they take an oath. It is perjury if there is lying, and perjury is a crime. Today we have filed a 12-count criminal information that contains charges against Mayor Kwame Kilpatrick and Christine Beatty. We charge both of them with conspiracy to obstruct justice, a five-year felony. Your Honor, as it relates to the matter in this case, the defendant, Mr. Kwame Kilpatrick, will plead guilty to count two, obstruction of justice, a five-year felony. The defendant shall be placed on five years reporting probation with the first 120 days to be served in the Wayne County Jail. The defendant shall announce his resignation immediately upon entry of this plea. Could you state your name for the record, sir? Kwame Malik. Kilpatrick. How old are you, sir? I'm 38 years old. Mr. Kilpatrick, you understand that by pleading guilty that you're going to give up certain constitutional rights, and one is the right to be tried by a jury. You understand that, sir? Yes. You're also giving up the right to be presumed innocent until proven guilty. You understand that? I think I gave that up a long time ago, Your Honor. Yes. I lied under oath in the case of Gary Brown versus the city of Detroit. I did so with an intent to mislead the court and the jury and to impede and obstruct the fair administration of justice. I lied under oath at a civil disposition, deposition. But in all the coverage of the mayor's resignation and jail sentence, someone else's story took a back seat. The mayor's former chief of staff and ex-lover, Christine Beatty, was also in court today, but she has not reached a plea deal and will be back before a judge on September 11th. How is she doing? Not well. Not well at all. What do you mean? So I, I was kind of on this island. Like, I was this homewrecker. You know, and that's what happens to women anyway. You, that was her fault. You know, for women, it's, that's a wrap. It's the scarlet letter. That's over. You know, it's the mistress whore. I mean, I think I probably was called everything under the sun. I wasn't some unmarried, you know, little peon. I was married, chief of staff, so he could have been a mistress too. And then my anger with Kwame at the time, after it was time for him to speak on it, was that, um... He didn't just own up to it and say that we fell in love, crossed the line, shouldn't have done it. You know, this is gonna hurt a lot of people, but this is what happened. Because his narrative had become, this is just 
This was something that happened in the past during the text messages. You know, we put that behind us, blah, 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 blah. And so then I was left to cut my own deal. Two felonies so that, you know, I had a felony record and... So it sort of left you hanging? Yeah, yeah. That that hurt me. That hurt the the friendship thing for me, you know? And it was like, wow, okay. Hmm, I really am out here on the island, you know? That part was hard. What I, what I do know is it wasn't some random affair, you know? I was in love with him. He loved me. Again, I never speak for him. I speak for me. Um, but I know that he loved me. I'm not stupid. Nearly a year after headlines revealed a City Hall sex scandal, the former top aide to Detroit's ex-mayor Kwame Kilpatrick has been sent to jail. Christine Beatty waved goodbye to loved ones Tuesday as she was ushered from a courtroom to begin a 120-day jail stay for obstruction of justice. It's the same I will tell you, the hardest day in my life was the day I had to leave my children and go to jail. And we had tried to prepare the girls before that with the mommy had to go away, because, has to go away for a minute because she told a lie, you know, in a court of law and you don't, you can't do that. And I was going to be gone for four months or whatever and they were wailing my oldest daughter was holding on to my leg screaming and it was that's the thing that was the worst day of my life detroit mayor kwame kilpatrick is going to jail seven years after he became the youngest mayor in detroit history kwame kilpatrick was sitting in a jail cell. How could this situation get any worse? Well... It has been five years since Tamara Green was gunned down, but her case is front and center once again because of the mayor's text messaging scandal. Green was shot in a drive-by shooting in April of 2003, about six months after she allegedly danced at a never-proven party at the Manoogian Mansion. That's next time. On Crime Town. Crime Town is Mark Smerling and Zach Stewart Pontier. This season is made in partnership with Gimlet Media and Spotify. This episode was produced by Soraya Shockley, Rob Zipko, Samantha Lee, and me, John White. The senior producer is Drew Nellis. Editing by Zach Stewart Pontier and Mark Smerling. Fact-checking by Jennifer Blackman. This episode was mixed, sound designed, and scored by Robin Shore. Original music this season composed by Homer Steinweiss. We recorded some original music at Rust Belt Studios in Detroit in partnership with Detroit Sound Conservancy. Special thanks to Carlton Goals and Maurice Piranahead Heard. Additional music by John Cusiak, Kenny Cusiak, John Ivins, and Beanart. Additional mixing by Bobby Lord. Our theme song is Politicians in My Eyes by Death. Our credit music this week is Game Time by Fat Cat. Archival research by Brennan Reese. Archival courtesy of Tim and Tobias Smith. They have a film called KMK, a documentary of Kwame Kilpatrick. Check it out. Archival material courtesy of Walter P. Ruther Library at Wayne State University and WXYZ. Show art and design by James Cabrera and Elise Harvin. 
we made a Spotify playlist featuring music from the show and songs that have inspired us this season. Check it out at crimetownmusic.com. Thanks to the Detroit Free Press, Peter Batia, Jim Schaefer, Mary Schrader, Melanie Maxwell, Mary Wallace, Elizabeth Clemens, Max White, Randy Lundquist, Eric Hetherington at DD Video, ML Elric, Devin Skillian, Melissa Sampson, the Charles H. Wright Museum of African American History, the Detroit Historical Society, Brendan Roney, Kari Turner, Mike Martin, Zach Rosen, and everyone who shared their stories with us. Detroit's an amazing place, and we're honored to tell a small part of its story. Alex Bloomberg is a podfather. There was plenty of times when, especially in Brooklyn, females would walk up to him. Hey, you want to take a picture? Rubbing all on his chest. 